Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. A dozen wins in a row for the Cardinals. Twelve wins as the Cardinals do it once again in exciting fashion, roaring back from another deficit to defeat the Milwaukee Brewers. It's a clean sweep in four games up in Milwaukee. What more is there to say right now about the red-hot Redbirds as the Cardinals just keep getting it done? They keep gaining distance between them and their opponents, chasing them for wildcard glory. Incredible stuff going on right now for the Cardinals. Eight to five winners they were over the Milwaukee Brewers on Thursday, September 23rd, as we join you here for another B-Shape Daily. Adam Wainwright on the hill in this game did not have a very Adam Wainwright-like start. Gives up those four runs in the first inning, It's the grand slam to Tyrone Taylor, which pretty much solidifies Adam Wainwright having the worst outing that he's had in quite some time. Before this game, Adam Wainwright takes the ball really over the last three, four months, it seems like. You pretty much know what he's going to do. He's going to get you at least six innings, probably more like seven or eight or potentially even nine pitching into the final inning of a game, something he's done multiple times. He's going to keep you below a certain threshold on runs. Only once since mid-July has Wainwright given up as many as four earned runs. Every other game, it's been three or fewer. Most of those games, two or fewer. And in many cases, he doesn't give up any runs. Today, that was a different story. As the Cardinals played on YouTube.com, the YouTube game of the week. Wainwright getting off to a rough beginning to this game. Walking guys in the first inning, that's not usually something... You see from Wainwright either for the day he ends up with two walks allowed and two home runs, one of which was the grand slam by Taylor. The other was a solo shot by Taylor that he tagged Waino for in the fourth inning. And that put Milwaukee up 5-0 in this game. And it's at that point that normally you would think, well, there's no way. It's just not going to happen You know, an Adam Wainwright game where he gives up two walks that lead to a grand slam in the first inning, it's very unlike him. He ends up settling in a bit, gets through four innings in the game, but gives up that second home run to Taylor and leaves after four, having given up five runs, four hits, two walks, and the two very costly home runs, which boost his ERA up above the 3.00 mark at 3.05. Would love to see him be able to end the season below three. That's definitely an accomplishment to be proud of, especially considering some of the milestones that he reached today. One in particular, the 200 innings mark, was reached by Adam Wainwright in this game on the season. Above 200 innings, he had not done that since 2014. Absolutely an accomplishment by Waino. And to think that maybe you finish a season where you're above 200 innings and you do so at an ERA sub three, that would be very impressive. Wainwright does finally get that 2,000th career strikeout today. 
Again, not a great outing for him. The one strikeout that he got in the game against Luis Arias, and it was on the curveball to no surprise for anyone who's followed Adam Wainwright's career and know you know what he's always been about. It's Uncle Charlie. He gets 2K with the curve. It's his only strikeout of the game. Remember, it could have happened at Bush Stadium. The umpiring in that last Wainwright start was suspect, if we're going to put it kindly, and we could use probably some other terminology if we really wanted to. But Wainwright does get to 2,000. But ultimately, it wasn't the start that he wanted. But let's talk about why Cardinals fans are still celebrating today. And it's the rejuvenated offense saying, hey, we've got your back, man. We're going to figure this out one way or another. Cardinals got one run back in the fifth. And I think that's what allowed them to kind of say, hey, we've got a pulse in this game. We're still alive in this game. Let's kind of see where we can go from there. And Yadier Molina was responsible for making that happen with the base hit that drove in Dylan Carlson after his fourth triple of the season. So it's 5-1 to one at that point. And the Cardinals then knocking for opportunity to score and add on even more runs later in that inning. You get the pinch hit walk by Matt Carpenter, and then you have the pop-out by Tommy Edmond. Bases were loaded. You had a chance to potentially make something happen. You know, tying run at the plate, that's certainly a chance to – make a mark on the game, go from four down to anything better than that, gives you a boost to your offense. And when you don't come through in that spot, and that was a pitch that Edmund could have hit, he'd probably tell you the same, but he pops it up on the infield and the, the threat is over. But when you don't come through in that spot, it's very easy as a team to say, oh, that was our chance, and we blew it. Now there is no chance. Especially when you're starting to get into the late innings of a game, you could see the, ter- the tide potentially turn against the Cardinals in that situation. Again, it was only the fifth inning, so not the end of the world. But it's still a four-run deficit, and you've got to find some way somehow to get through there. And then maybe in the sixth inning, you could have said, well, now for sure you don't feel very good about it because you had the heart of the order. Goldsmith, O'Neill, Arenado come up, and they're not able to get a run in. Dylan Carlson batted in that inning as well after the Paul Goldsmith single to lead things off. But no runs in that fifth, when you, or one run in that fifth when it could have been more, and then nobody gets it started in the sixth inning. You're feeling pretty down about your chances. But Milwaukee lets you back into the game there in the seventh, and it was just taking what the game gives you. Harrison Bader walks, Lars Newtbar walks, and then you get into a situation where you're starting to pick away at things. You get a ground out that scores a run, and then you get a wild pitch that scores another one. Suddenly, 5-3 to three game, you've got the right guy at the plate. Paul Goldschmidt hits his first of two home runs on the day. The guy has gone absolutely nuclear carrying the Cardinals offensively. And there are other guys that are doing their job. Arenado's been fine. Tyler O'Neill has really come through in some clutch situations. Cardinals tie the game 5-5 to on the Goldsmith bomb there in the seventh inning, a four-run seventh to give you some confidence. And was there any way at that point that the Cardinals don't win this game? I say obviously not. They come up with a couple more runs. There in the eighth inning, you're not going to complain about the pass ball by Manny Pena there that scores the the go-ahead run for the Cardinals. That's just a situation where a team is imploding. And I and I mentioned earlier, it was a pickoff throw that was errant by Boxberger that scored that third run in the seventh inning, not a wild pitch. This one ends up being a pass ball, and you go up 6-5, to five, and then a sacrifice fly is all Yadier Molina needs to do to get that extra run of insurance, and then Goldsmith for good measure in the ninth inning. Loves hitting at Miller Park, whatever they're calling it now, American family, I don't care. It's Miller Park to me. 
29 homers on the season for Paul Goldschmidt. Just an absolute tank job to put the Cardinals up 8-5. to five. Eight unanswered runs by the Cardinals. And as I mentioned, that's a team in the Brewers just coming apart at the seams after you beat them three in a row. They have you on the ropes. But when you're the St. Louis Cardinals in September, it's kind of hard to stay on the ropes. They just continue to get up off the mat. They make it happen. Cardinals bullpen, it kind of goes under the radar with the offensive explosion. But what has to happen for a team to be able to come back in a game like that is the bullpen's got to hold it where it is. Kwon Young Kim, to his credit, it's not always pretty when he comes in to a game out of the bullpen. Rarely is it pretty. But he gets two innings, covers the fifth and sixth for the Cardinals, during which they come back and tie the game. Gives up a couple of hits, gives up a couple of walks, but he keeps it scoreless. And then McFarland, Garcia, Gallegos, it's a beautiful thing to have two guys that you picked up in the middle of the summer basically off the street and TJ McFarland and Luis Garcia coming in, getting the job done, and then you go to your bonafide closer now in Gallegos, who's got 12 saves on the season, took over for Alex Reyes and hasn't looked back. Reyes is still contributing to this bullpen. There's no question about that. But with what you're getting out of Gallegos right now, there's no question that he is the right man for that job. And the bullpen just continues to fall into place. And, I mean, if you're getting Kanyan Kim as a legitimate contributor for that group, that's just such a W. Like, that's so huge because he's a guy that was displaced from the rotation. You weren't sure how he was going to do in this role, and it's still possible that he doesn't thrive there long term. But that was a situation where you had Wainwright only go four innings. Kim was potentially, we know that Jack Flaherty is going to be starting game two on Friday, probably going about an inning. And so Kim conceivably could have been the guy to back up Flaherty as kind of a bulk reliever in that game. It's only a seven inning game. And so you figure if Kim can give you two or three innings, that can definitely stem the tide to get you to the late innings, which in that case are only going to be like the fifth, sixth and seventh because it is such a short game. But now that Kim is thrown, great to see that's going to put a little bit of expectation on, okay, where are the Cardinals going to turn? Could it be Dakota Hudson that joins the team and pitches multiple innings behind Jack Flaherty on Friday night at Wrigley Field? It's possible that that takes place. We'll probably know it in the morning or early in the day on Friday because the Cardinals do have the doubleheader, and there will be a chance for the media to talk with Mike Schilt and try to get the lowdown early on. So we'll see what the Cardinals decide to do there, but wouldn't that be fascinating to see two guys that honestly – at different points in the season, you didn't know if you are going to see again. In Jack's case, it was a couple of weeks ago, I'd have said, yeah, shoulder situation, you don't know how long that could hold him up. He could be done for the year. They might just shut him down. And in Dakota Hudson's case, that was never really on the radar until you got to midseason that, oh, he might be able to actually contribute out of the bullpen come late September. And now it's he's throwing five-inning outings at Memphis. You could legitimately, if you had to, if injuries were to take the Cardinals rotation into a place where it's been – before, certainly at points in this season, and you're, you're scrambling, Dakota Hudson could start. You could you could absolutely, I know they want to probably be careful with workload, but if he's throwing five inning outings in Memphis, if he's efficient, right, 68, 70 pitch mark, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't be able to work his way towards something similar at the big league level. And so that's just great news for the Cardinals as they everything seems to be coming up in their favor as of late with the 8-5 to five come for behind win for 12 in a row. I don't know how long this streak's going to last. I kind of think it wouldn't be a shock to see a seven-inning game. You end up dropping one of the two games in that doubleheader on Friday. But if they win both of the doubleheader, forget about it. They could This this win streak, that could reach 20, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Get through the doubleheader, and then I'm saying that the sky's the limit 
which sounds pretty crazy because they're already teetering on that edge, approaching what would be the franchise record in win streak. So really impressive what's going on right now. There's nothing to complain about in Cardinals world. Take a check on the standings because that's something that you got to continue to keep an eye on. But really, with the Cardinals handling their business the way they are right now, there's not a whole lot to worry about. The teams behind you keep losing. You look at the Padres, it looks like they've picked up a win, but they're just two games above 500, and the Reds a half game above them at 78 and 75. The only other team you got to worry about is the Phillies, and they've actually surpassed the Reds now, taking a look at the standings. So the Cardinals are still four and a half up on the Phillies, the team that's closest to you. Keep an eye on the fact that they're two back of the Braves in their, their own division. And so that's a, a situation where they could pass the Braves, and then the Braves are then the team you've got on your tail. The Braves right now, two and a half games behind the Cardinals. But again, they'd have to lose some games for the Phillies to be able to catch them. So there's a little bit of cushion built in there as well. As far as the Reds and Padres are concerned, they're, they're running out of calendar here to be able to make a move on the Cardinals from as far back as they are. Five and a half games back in the case of the Reds and a full six back as of this recording here on Thursday night. The Padres may still be in action. Haven't taken a look at that, but we're talking five and a half games for those teams and then four and a half for the Phillies who are playing good baseball. That's the one thing you got to consider because when you look at the Reds and Padres, it's easy to count them out at this point from a mental standpoint because they haven't been playing well and you combine that with how far behind they are it becomes a tough road to hoe with the number of games that they have remaining. Just looking at some quick math here for the Reds, they've got nine games left. Cardinals sitting here with 10 remaining, and two of those will go off the board on Friday. So with just nine games remaining, the math becomes debilitating at, at a certain point. If you know The Cardinals would have to do something two and eight, and, and if you're the Reds, then you say, okay, we're going to have to win like seven or eight of our games at that point. It gets really tough. For the Phillies, it's a little bit easier. They've got the nine games left, but they're just a little bit closer. The Cardinals absolutely control their destiny. There's just no way to mess it up if the Cardinals win about half their games. I just don't I don't think the math can favor any other team if the Cardinals can at least come away with some wins. And so that's why, really, tomorrow on Friday, doubleheader sweep would be nice. Continuing the winning streak would be wonderful. But if you're the Cardinals, just make sure to get one of them so you can say, hey, win a game, make it more difficult on the rest of those teams who have got to They've got to mount wins to be able to catch you. It's your only option at this point. Something a little bit interesting to consider, the Cardinals are seven and a half games behind the Brewers for the division. They just swept them in four. And the Brewers are in a spot where it would be really, really hard to lose this division, especially when you consider they play the Mets for the next three games. But if for some reason the Brewers struggle against the Mets, Say they drop even two of three. They don't get swept, but they only win one game. And the Cardinals are able to win three of four against the Cubs. The math gets really difficult because I think at that point, the Brewers' magic number might even be down to one. But that's not even an ideal situation. I'm basically giving them a couple of games over the course of the next three days to say that they can close in on the Cardinals. But then the Cardinals get to play the Brewers once again at home. And then the Brewers have to go on the road to the Dodgers, a team that's obviously going to be fighting for something, it would seem like, because of how close they are right now to the Giants for that NL West lead. They're separated by just one game as of this recording. And so you go into that situation, if the Brewers do anything less than securing a win in that series against the New York Mets, who I know they've been struggling, but so have the Milwaukee Brewers. It's not looking good. They've obviously lost four in a row to the Cardinals, and in their last 10, they're three of 10. So 
three and seven in those games. If the Brewers were to get swept by the Mets and the Cardinals were to have a good weekend against Chicago, I'm talking even three of four, that would really put the onus on the Brewers to make sure they did something against St. Louis the next time around. Because Cardinals go three and four against the Cubs, Cardinals sweep the Brewers. There is absolutely a possibility that the Cardinals could pull down this division. It's still long odds, and it would be an absolute historic September. It already is approaching that for the Cardinals with what they've been able to do over this 12-game winning streak. But I'm saying there is a world in which the Cardinals don't even have to run the table to get this done. Three or four against the Cubs, Brewers get swept. Now, you would be asking the Brewers to lose something like 10 or 11 in a row, and that would be asking a lot, but they're already about halfway there. So, long shot odds, definitely interesting to keep an eye on. I think more interesting than that, though, is that battle between the Giants and Dodgers out west because you know that you're facing one of those two teams unless something absolutely insane happens probably the most epic collapse of all time for the Brewers to lose this division. Again, you do get the benefit of playing them three more times, and you did just beat them four times. But you're still, a lot would need to happen. But not a lot would need to happen for the Cardinals to end up going to San Francisco for that wild card game. Like, is that so crazy to envision? I've been talking like this on B-Shape Daily for several days now, even probably pushing a week. Giants go to the Colorado Rockies, which is a little bit of a tougher place to play them. They've got a better home record compared to what they've done on the road. At home, at Coors Field, the Rockies are actually a really good team, 46-29 and 29 on the season, 25-52 and 52 away from home. So you might be thinking, okay, the Giants have to play those Rockies, but that's not the place you want to play them. And then they get the Diamondbacks, which is, that's favorable. I'm not going to lie to you about that. Diamondbacks have mounted the losses, and they've they've done it with uh, with Valor. 104 losses on the season, in counting only 49 wins. We'll see if they can even get into the mid-50s range. But it's looking like a historically bad season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And so, obviously beneficial to say the Giants will get to face them. And then they face San Diego, the final series of the season. That's a team that's obviously struggling as of late, probably firing their manager as of the end of the season. And they've already made some front office moves, so... They're in disarray. There's no question about that. The Cardinals are partially to blame for that. But the Padres did win on Thursday. They've won their last game, a streak of one. And the Giants lost. So, potentially you could see the Giants struggling a little bit down the stretch. It's possible if you drop two or three to the Rockies and then maybe two or three to the Padres. Could you see a world in which the Giants kind of scuffled to a finish of four and five over their final nine games, something like that, even maybe three and six. It wouldn't have to be substantial, right? The Dodgers just have to be one game better. And you look at the way they finish up the season, you feel like it's winnable games. We talked about how bad the Arizona Diamondbacks have been. Well, the Dodgers get a chance to play them as well before the end of this season. They, they've had that series coming up this weekend. And then it's the Padres for them. We talked about what that might look like. And then you finish up against the Brewers, as we alluded to. And the Brewers, they're scuffling as much as anybody in baseball right now after what the Cardinals just did to them. And so I would say, while both teams have favorable schedules, I would lean even a little bit more so toward the Dodgers. They do get the Brewers at home that last series. And that could be a tough series for the Giants to go to Colorado. And so we could could know a little bit more about this race even by the end of this upcoming weekend at Diamondbacks for the Dodgers, but at Rockies for the Giants. And that's tough. 
Well done by the Dodgers to take two of three from the Rockies at the Rockies just over this last couple of days. But save over the weekend, the, the Dodgers are able to go two of three and the Giants drop the series. They're tied entering the final week of the season. And that's where it gets really interesting. It's something we've talked about, and everybody, when they talk about what that wild card game could look like, first of all, to a lot of people, it's the foregone conclusion that it's going to be the Giants, or pardon me, that it's going to be the Dodgers. Everybody assumes it's going to be L.A. because the Giants have had that stranglehold on the division for quite some time. But the Dodgers are the one playing better baseball right now. Eight of their last ten. Giants are six of ten. So both teams playing well. Dodgers are playing a little bit better. To me, the Dodgers have the deeper pitching staff. To me, they've got the better offense. I don't want to minimize what the Giants have done this season. It's been remarkable. But you look at this roster on paper coming into the year, there's a reason that people are like, well, I don't really see it. But they're going to win 100 games. They're at 99 right now, and the Dodgers just one touch behind at 98. And they've been incredible. Run differential, very good. Not as good as the Dodgers, but still very good. We don't talk about the run differential in St. Louis. The Cardinals are at least plus. They were minus for a long, long time. They're plus 18 runs, and yet somehow they're plus 14 games above 500. It's just incredible. They're they're doing they're doing more with less, and you'd rather have the wins than the run differential. There is no crown for run differential. But you just think about those two rosters. You, we expected the Dodgers to be able to do what they're doing. We didn't really see this coming from the Giants, and I think there's still room for the Dodgers to surpass them. And when you think about how close that race is, if you're a Cardinals fan, what you're rooting for is well, first of all, what you're rooting for is game 163 because if those guys have to play another game to determine that division, that just means that roster is a little bit more spent. That game would take place, I assume, on that Monday, and then you'd have the wild card game on Wednesday. And whichever team loses a game 163 would host the wild card game, would host the Cardinals. So they do get that benefit. But talk about needing to empty a, empty a chamber for a pitching staff. And then having to play another winner-take-all game on Wednesday, that would be very fascinating. And what's interesting is it wouldn't be winner-take-all, right? If they had to play Monday, it wouldn't be winner-take-all. But don't you think they'd throw their best at it to try to avoid that wild-card game? It's basically you get two shots at it. It's like a double jeopardy. I would think if Scherzer's ready and available, they'd throw him. But then again, Scherzer might be scheduled for Saturday or Sunday, depending on how they structure that rotation. He might need to throw in that final weekend just to be able to get a tie for the division or to be able to take a shot at a tie for the division. So that pitching staff could be in a position where the Cardinals by that Wednesday could be looking favorable. So that's why you root for them to tie. That's the first thing you root for. But otherwise, how do Cardinals fans view it? I really don't know the answer to that. As we get a little closer, I think it would make for a great poll question if it comes down to a situation where it looks like it could go either way. That might even be a good poll poll question for Friday just to kind of get a gauge on where people are with nine games to, to play for all these teams. Because to me... If they do have to throw Max Scherzer on that Saturday or Sunday, if they do it on Saturday, he could pitch on three days rest. That wouldn't be a surprise to me to have him go Wednesday. But if they throw him on Sunday, the last game of the season, which I think unless they maneuver, he he could potentially line up for, that would be two days rest. I just don't see him going Sunday, off Monday, off Tuesday, pitching Wednesday, at least not as a starter. Although if it's the Dodgers, you could say bullpen game if it doesn't go well playing for him to go two innings. He's Max Scherzer, so it's fine. He goes four. Like, nothing would shock me about that situation. But when you're the Dodgers and you also have Walker Bueller, you also have Clayton Kershaw, you also have Julio Urias, who's leading the league in in wins, which doesn't mean he's the best pitcher on that team. He's probably the fourth best starter they've got, but they're loaded. That's what we're saying here. And so you've got options. I I just don't feel like if you had Max Scherzer and there was any reason to believe he could give you innings in a winner-take-all situation, 
I think that's got to be the guy you go with. And so he'll probably be pushing forward. It's all hypothetical at this point, but that's why that's exactly why you want game 163, regardless of who you'd rather face in the wild card game. Keep in mind, though, what a lot of people I've heard say is, well, I think the Cardinals would have a better chance of beating the Giants in general, and so that's why I'd rather see them in a longer series. Because you got to face that Dodgers pitching staff over a long series, the advantage quickly shifts in their direction. It's the way a lot of people feel. If you have to face it for one game, you might lose that game, but people, it's almost like a long-range view. I say, just make sure you get out of that wacky wildcard game however you can. What's your best chance to win that? I think it's against the Giants. I think they beat the Dodgers, too. I think they, they win the game no matter who they face. That's my opinion. I've been espousing that opinion for days on this podcast, but very interesting to wonder which team you'd rather face. Dodgers tougher in a long series, but Dodgers also tough in that one game if it's Scherzer. So that's why you want to see them pitch as much as they have to so that they don't have the luxury of going with whoever they want in that wildcard game on Wednesday, October 6th. So it's getting down to the nitty-gritty now for the MLB season and for the St. Louis Cardinals, but really, you got to feel really good if you're a Cardinals fan right now. The fact that this last week has gone by after they won a few games, they went and won for another straight week, and they're up to 12 in a row, and you're looking at the standings going, yep, it's going to be pretty hard for anybody to catch us. Like, if, you, if you're the Cardinals now, you're riding high. Yes, the division is a pipe dream at this point, but it's interesting to talk about still until the Brewers decide to actually win a game at some point. Conceivably, they will someday, eventually. Cardinals may never lose again, but if they do, it's going to happen tomorrow. I I just think it's tough to win two games in one day, no matter who you're facing, especially if you're facing a rival at their place. I know the Cubs are bad at baseball, but they've they've got their own little devil magic when they play up at Wrigley, so... I'm kind of predicting a split tomorrow. Uh, again, it's not jinxing it. It's just kind of calling your shot, which I, I don't I don't take any pride in doing. If the Cardinals lose, I'd love to see them continue the streak. It's been a blast to watch. But the thing to k- keep in mind is at some point, it's almost like takes the pressure off if you lose a game at some point, and then you can just say, all right, just let's let this ride. Now, you'd rather win the division because a one-game playoff is not fun, especially considering the, the opponents that are options for you to face. And so if the division is in play, yeah, you don't want to see the Cardinals lose any games. You never do, regardless of whether the division's at play. But it wouldn't be the, the end of the world, and I think the team knows that. The, the confidence that they've built over this stretch right now, whenever this streak comes to an end, I think they're really comfortable with where they are and what they've been able to build here in September. That going into October, yes, you've got to win that wacky, wonky one-game playoff to, to be able to do anything. But the Cardinals have a little bit of good history in that situation, for one won the inaugural version of that down in Atlanta, as you might recall, on a correct infield fly call, by the way. I can get into that another time if anybody wants. But lots of reasons to feel good right now about Cardinals baseball. It should be a fun weekend at Wrigley Field. That's probably going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. should mention I won't be up at Wrigley this weekend. Be in Columbia, Missouri. Long ago... I purchased some concert tickets for my wife. It's Roots and Blues Festival out there this weekend, so we'll be attending that. And I also have a little bit of exciting news. If you're listening to this podcast on Friday morning, if you're one of those who wakes up and you listen to Be Shaped Daily, check out tomorrow afternoon from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. It's KTGR, ESPN Radio in Columbia, Missouri. I will be co-hosting the afternoon big show with my buddy Andy Humphrey there in Columbia. I'm sure we'll be talking some Cardinals baseball. And so 
If you think that sounds interesting to you and you're not too busy on a Friday afternoon, you can go to KTGR.com, I'm sure, to find a way to stream it live, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on the big show there in Columbia. It's the ESPN affiliate, 100.5 on the local dial and 1580 a.m. if you're in Columbia, Missouri. But anywhere else, you can stream it online, KTGR.com. I will be hosting alongside Andy Humphrey, so that'll be exciting for me to do tomorrow, and we'll see what could happen if it goes well. But that'll certainly be something that I end up pushing out on social media at my Twitter handle at bshafer12. If anybody would like to tune in live, drop us some Cardinals questions. I'm sure we'll be talking some Mizzou as well. And then we've got high school football, Rockbridge versus Elias. We'll do some color commentary for that on Friday evening. So I'm looking forward to a day of audio, of bshafe audio there over the airwaves in Columbia, Missouri. But that is going to do it. Going to wrap things up here and get a good night's rest before I trek out to Como in the morning. Make sure to subscribe to B-Shape Daily, though, if you've not done so already. We're going to have a lot to talk about over the next couple of weeks, potentially deep into October. You never do know. So make sure you're locked and loaded when new episodes arrive. You'll be there if you're subscribed. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, many other locations as well. Just go to anchor.fm slash bshafer12, click on more platforms to find all the places you can locate bshafe daily. Thank you all once again for listening. I appreciate it more than you know. Make sure to check out ktgr.com tomorrow, Friday afternoon, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. if you're interested in a little bit more sports talk that I'll be a part of. Would love to have you on board for that. But until next time, this has been bshafe daily. Peace.